Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Alrighty. Oh, man. Let's talk about it. I know. So it's the last week of October. Jeez. How was your weekend? Really nice. How'd you get up Really nice. Um, I ran. Oh, first, actually, Friday um, evening, went for a bike ride in the 23-degree weather. Wasn't that beautiful? Oh, my gosh. It felt tropical. Yeah. Like, I stepped outside, and I, and I said to my boyfriend, I was like, I, think, I feel like we've gone on a beach vacation. Yeah. Like, because you know when, like, you've been so cold, and then you get off the plane, and you're like, ah, I've run. Yeah, totally. That's what it felt like leaving my house. That's so nice. Because I work from home Friday morning, so my first time leaving my house was to, like, go for this bike ride, and I was like, ooh, fun new place. Who dis? I did a little walk run on Friday, and uh, it was very similar. I went out in shorts and a tank top. And not that I've been doing a lot of running, but like all my bike commuting has been in a lot more clothes than that. So this mm-hmm. felt really nice. And I was like sweating. Sweating. At like 10 a.m. in shorts and a tank top. I was really okay with it. And then, you know, Saturday was just a rude trip back to reality. Well, the rest of the weekend was just seasonal. But when you're right, like when you have that little tropical excursion for one day without leaving your neighborhood it feels like a real shock to i was wearing shorts and uh shorts and a little tiny cycling top for people who don't know cycling clothes are just uh baby's clothes that they make adults wear um so it was this tiny little shirt and tiny little shorts and i was super temperate and then yesterday i was riding my bike around just running errands and i was wearing a toque a buff a sweater a puffer a turtleneck under that sweater and puffer, uh, wool socks, rubber boots, jeans. Also, I'm a person who tends to be cold, but well, I was going to say you're in a rude for you're in for a rude awakening when it is January and it's minus thirty. Well, I that's when I wear my uh, walkable sleeping bag. Ah, uh, right. Yes, we both have walkable sleeping bags. Actually, it's super, if you're a Canadian, yeah. Why are you not wearing a full length sleeping bag to walk around? It's wonderful. Yeah, it's way too big, and I, I love it. So I had a fun experience um, on Saturday morning. Would you? <gasps> Your niece Charlotte ran her first five k. I followed along on Instagram. Thank you. I thought that looked so cute. It was wonderful. Yeah. So my sister Emma signed up my niece, her daughter, who's almost nine. She'll be nine at the end of November. Charlotte is a really active kid. She loves playing, but she, you know, like most eight-year-olds, has never trained for a running race before. As, you know, I think that that's fine. I think that just getting kids outside and active. But because there haven't been any like team sports or anything over the last several months, Charlotte's been really lacking kind of like a physical outlet. So my sister, Emma, signed her up for the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon kids race where it gives them a training plan and all these cool speakers, you know, some of Toronto and Canada's top elite runners do this like little video series with the kids. They teach them warm ups, and they basically, they do a walk run, but they're able to complete 5k. And so it was so fun because we all did our social distancing, but it was my dad who's 
a runner. And the reason I, and the reason that my sister and I got into running, it was my dad, my sister, myself, and my niece. So it was three generations of Van Buskirks out for this little run in our neighborhood. And Charlotte did so well. She completed her 5k and she, it was the farthest she's ever run. Cause in training, they only take them up to four. And she was a total rock star about it. And it was so fun because at the end, my mom and I had this finish line set up for her and she sprinted across. And anyway, just want to give a little shout out to to my niece, Charlotte, and to all the other kids who are doing virtual races right now, because it's a great way to get engaged with your little bubble and get out and get some exercise. That's so fun. Yeah, it was a blast. It was a total blast. It worked perfectly because I'm doing walk-runs right now. So. <laughs> was my great. ideal training partner. Exactly. Well, Maddie, like you said, we have a lot to get into, so we should get after it. Starting with another story of someone who helped uh, a new friend who started off as a stranger complete a really challenging run themselves. Fidel Yabara helped Carrie Kelly finish the Beaver Canyon Marathon. So Yabara is a prison inmate who was on work release to help the setup for the marathon. And when he saw Kelly struggling in last place, he decided to run with her. Yabara had no previous run training, was wearing work boots, but he still ran the last 35K of the marathon with her. And the two crossed the finish line together, which is just that kind of good news story we're looking for these days. It is the story we needed. So a little background here, Carrie Kelly, who is the athlete, has completed a few marathons in her past, and she had trained for this, but I think she had had some injuries that had prevented her from getting in all the training that she ideally needed. And so she said, like, right from, like, 5K into the race, which, you know, when you run in a marathon, that's not very much time gone by. She was already struggling and thought she was going to have to drop out. And then, yeah, Fidel Ibarra, standing on the sidelines, saw her struggling. And it was neat because in an interview he gave after, he said, I could see a lot of myself and my fellow inmates in what was happening because we often feel like we're at the back of the pack and we're left behind. And he said, I didn't want her to feel like she was alone. And I didn't want her to feel like she was being left behind. And apparently, like, according to this athlete, Carrie Kelly, um, her new running mate was in visible pain, as you would expect running 35k off of no run training and work boots but he never complained and he was the reason she says that she was able to get to that finish line super cool lovely story it is that's a nice note to start on let's keep it rolling south african olympic triathlete richard murray ran the third fastest 10k in south african history in his first straight 10k ever Right. Not bad. So the cool thing about this is that in like the Olympic distance for triathlon, they actually run a 10K as their final leg. So he's done a lot of run training before. And in fact, he actually finished fourth in the 2016 Olympics in triathlon. And even though he finished fourth on that day, he ran the fastest 10K leg. Like he was the fastest runner on the, on the day of the Olympics, he was just far enough behind on the bike and the swim that he couldn't catch them. But he ran a 30, 34, 30 minutes and 34 seconds in that 10 K of his Olympic triathlon. So we knew he was a good runner, mm -hmm. but because by the time you get to the running portion, you're a little tired. I hear. Yeah. I've heard that too. That's word. that's word on the street. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Gwen Jorgensen, right? Like she, she, was just such a – and now she's just a full-time runner. And she's, full she's having a bit of a hard time with full-time running. You know, doesn't always translate like Mr. Richard Murray. Right. Because me, oh my, did it translate. He ran a 28.04 solo. Solo. <laughs> so he was running in the Netherlands on – and he found a perfectly flat course. However, the weather did not cooperate with him. He had very, very strong winds throughout – 
But despite that, he was able to finish this run, this time trial in just over 28 minutes. And uh, he says that he thinks there's more in the tank. So if he actually trains for this like a full-time runner, who knows what he's capable of? Uh, now dual citizen, Rory Linkletter and his Nazali teammates won the in-person Michigan Pro Akaden last week. It was an Akaden relay, which is, as many of us know, very popular and comes from Japan, consisting of teams of six runners, three men, three women, and they complete legs of various distances totaling 42.2K. So Rory ran the 5K in the men's leg in 14.53, the second fastest time for that leg, and overall the team ran two 10, 11 for the win. That's a pretty damn fast marathon. That is. It's crazy that some people just do that in one go. I know. I was thinking that, Maddie, when you and our Toronto-based team did the AC42K Relay Challenge last week that we talked about. Guys, I got to fess up about something. Uh Uh-oh. We thought we might have won. Yeah. We came last. We came third. There were only three teams. Doesn't matter. We still (laughs) came third. Bronze medal. Go team. (laughs) Yeah, we um we were possibly a little overconfident about our 217 collective, but that's okay. Everyone had a great time. Yeah, and I saw it's 217 and I was like proud to be part of that. Yeah, I would that's say. That's a really cooking marathon. <laughs> it sure is. But yeah, 210 is, is super speedy and you're right to think that um, there are people that just run that, you know, any given race day all by them all by themselves. Yeah, like two Canadians ever. It's pretty impressive. Speaking of man, this whole this whole rundown is full of really speedy results, which is so fun to see. We've been craving these. Mr. Tommy Hughes, we've talked about him a lot before on the show, ran another age group world record. Is he 60 or 61 now? He's in the M60 category. So he's somewhere between 60 and 65. Yeah. I think on, on the lower end. Right. I think so of as that well. Pay grade. Yeah. But he over the weekend, actually just yesterday, ran. 2.30.02 marathon. Oh, but that two seconds. I know. To 2.29. Which uh, it's, uh, but I mean, it's, it's right there. I, I have a feeling he could do this, you know, in, in, in his future. This was a six and a half minute improvement over the old M60 record. The record was previously held by Yoshinisa Hasaka of Japan. He held that record at 2.36.30 and uh, Tommy destroyed it. Absolutely destroyed it. Well, Tommy, you know, this is not the first we've heard of Tommy Hughes. He's also the M60 half marathon world record holder. Yeah. 111.09 for his half marathon. And he's one half of the father-son duo who set the Guinness world record for fastest father-son marathon. Well, but didn't they each run a marathon and then they average their times? Is that how it works? Yes. So Tommy's lifetime personal best is 213.15 from the Marrakesh Marathon, and he competed at the 1992 Olympics. However, he has run a 227.52, and he did that, which was a world record for his age group. And in conjunction with his son, they broke the Guinness World Record for fastest marathon by a father and son. That was at the 2019 Frankfurt Marathon. That's right. I remember us covering that, too, because that was just such a fun record. Oh, so fun. And he outran his kid. I know. Well, I feel like you got if, if you're if you're the dad, you gotta take bragging rights on that. Well, totally. If you're the dad and you're the Olympian. Well, like I was gonna his, say his son is probably, you know, very accomplished in other regards, but he's not quite as accomplished at running as his father. He's still got time mm-hmm. and great genes working for him. Hundred percent. So that was four really good pieces of news. 
Now we've, of course, got a doping story to cover because it wouldn't be okay. Alleged. We have an alleged doping story to cover. You are correct, Maddie. This story just came out, and really, there's only been, as of our time of recording, one news source that has been circulating this. Although it has been picked up by a number of other running publications and media outlets. We are talking about Taufik Makloufi, who's an Algerian triple medalist, Olympic medalist, in the 800-1500. He was Olympic champion in 2012, and then he won a couple medals in 2016 in the 815. It has been alleged that a sports bag of his was found last March, the story's only breaking now, um, at a training facility that he frequents. And the bag contained not only multiple pieces of his identification, which is why they thought it was his, but also syringes, products used for injections and infusions, um, all in this like duffel bag. So McCloofy has been quarantining in South Africa. And so I think they've been having a hard time getting a hold of him, but the story is continuing to develop and we will keep you posted. He's not been charged with anything. He's still free to train and compete. Um, the last time he actually, the last result his IAAF profile shows is from 2019. So he hasn't competed this year anyway, it seems. Yeah, but that's which is unusual. For lots of people. Right, yeah. yeah. So we will let you know what happens with Mr. McCluffy. And as always, just for the sake of our sport, we hope this isn't true. Like we hope it was some kind of mix up or confusion. We hope that there is nothing. Maybe he's being framed. Well, possibly, of course. We can't rule anything out. We don't know. Oh, drama. Drama. Drama unfolding. Man, can you imagine being framed for something? It'd be terrible. It would be awful. It'd be so awful. But you know what? I've thought about this before, and I I know that it doesn't happen often. But I remember, like, when I first started competing on the international scene, what we were always told is, like, things like don't let your water bottle out of your sight at competition and training venues because you just never know. And the reality is, if you have something in your system – it doesn't quite matter. I mean, it does to a degree. I was going to say it doesn't quite matter how it got there. You're still ultimately responsible. Now, if you can prove that you were sabotaged or that it was inadvertent or something like that, your sentence will be greatly reduced. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for whatever goes in your body. So that was, you know, again, I don't think cases of framing are huge, but I wouldn't say that it's never happened. Man, it's true. Moving on. Looking forward to next weekend. This is my favorite event of the year. It's Halloween, dog. Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. Most memorable Halloween costume. Oh, there have been so many. Okay, I know what mine is. I actually think we talked about this last year on the rundown. So loyal listeners, if you've heard this story before, I apologize, but not really because it was a fantastic Halloween costume. So Maddie, you're 5'10 like me. And I don't know about you, but I've been really tall, like taller than all my peers for most of my life. I wasn't. I was a really oh. short kid. Okay. Hit puberty late. Sorry, you, so you all can't know relate. that about me now. You're, you're not going to be able to relate to this story at all. I love being tall. I know there's a lot of advantages that come with it. Yeah. However, one of the things that happens when you're really tall at like, let's say 10 years old, is that you're mistaken for being a lot older than you are. Mm-hmm. So my mom, who's a very creative uh, former middle school teacher... Uh, always helped with my costumes. And this one year I went as a washing machine. It was like the most creative costume I've ever seen. We got this big cardboard box and my mom cut a hole for my head and a hole for my arms and we painted it and we put like these wooden dials with crazy glue on the front. 
and I had like a little lid that flipped back. And then I wore this crown with like socks and stuff coming off of it. And we had like a, a jug of Tide, like laundry detergent on one side and um, uh, fabric softener on the other. I, but I, I went as a human washing machine and I thought it was so creative. The problem is, I don't know if it was how glue was 20 years ago, but over the course of my trick-or-treating, things started falling off. Mm -hmm. So as I walked around and this box got clunked around a bunch, like my tide fell off and my oh, knobs no. fall, fell off. And Not the tide and the knobs. I know. So by the end of the night, by the end of my trick-or-treating, it really looked like I was just walking around in a box with a crown of socks. So they <laughs> I sound thought... like I could be in a, in a Dr. <laughs> Seuss, Seuss book. <laughs> so they thought you were just a lame-o teenager who wanted their candy. Yeah. And I remember yeah. a couple houses were like, turned me away. They wouldn't give me candy. They said, you're too old to be walking around in a box. And I was so devastated because partly because I didn't get my candy, but more because I was just so impressed with how creative the costume was. Ugh. Anyway, the moral of the story, twofold. Kids, when you go trick-or-treating again, when the world finally opens up, make sure that you use good glue if you're making a costume that involves lots of things that you have to attach to yourself. Mm -hmm. And people handing out candy, give kids the benefit of the doubt that they're trying. There are tall kids out there, There Dad. are. Yeah. My costume, whoa. When you're... So, as I mentioned, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I was the kid who believed in Santa Claus until I was age 12. I love that. And then um, one of my classmates, he will go unnamed, you know, let me let me know that Santa wasn't real. And, of course, I was like, yeah, duh. Like, of course, I didn't think that. Obviously, went home and was like, Dad, what the heck? Your world was shattered. What's going on? Right. Um, Anyway, suffice to say, at 13, when some of my friends wanted to go to, like, Halloween parties, I was still kind of game to go trick-or-treating and then, like, eat candy with my sisters. So I was green grapes one year, and I blew up a bunch of green balloons. I had a really cute little stem on top of my head. I wore green tights, green, uh, you know, like, sweater underneath. I thought I was freaking adorable. So I trick-or-treat with my sisters. They're younger than me. Um, I think that's kind of why people like put up right, with me yeah. being a teenager trick-or-treating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to a party after with my friends and I got to the party and everyone popped my balloons. <gasps> no. <laughs> I mean, I kind of saw that coming, to be honest. I know, but I 13 didn't. 13 year olds are the worst. <laughs> Aww. Anyway, so your world was shattered multiple times. Not only did you, um, oh, this must have been traumatizing. You learned that Santa Claus didn't exist, and then your costume was popped. Yeah, I was a bit of a naive kid. Okay, <laughs> wow. I'm sorry that happened to you. Anyway, and ever since I hated Halloween. No, that's not true. Halloween's super fun. It's super fun. But you know what? Maybe I'll recreate that costume this year because it was awesome. And I hope adults wouldn't pop my balloons. <laughs> Actually, at so. this point, it would be kind of funny. Well, and if you're social distancing, this is perfect. You'd have a wide berth. No one could get close enough to pop them. I'm not poppable. You're unpoppable. Unstoppable and unpoppable. <laughs> That's your slogan this year. Maddie, are you going to do anything for Halloween this year? I was actually supposed to race. And then the race got canceled. Which race? Um, Waterloo 5K. It was just, it was two super small fields, 12 men and 12 women. And it was just a, you know, a good old fashioned 5K. I had prepared myself to come last, but I was excited to race nevertheless. Yeah. And uh, canceled. So I'm it is a shame. That. That's okay. But we're, we'll come up with something new. Um, I think people are going to get creative this year. But if you're a runner and you're looking for an outlet for your Halloween love, like I have, you got a few options mm -hmm. because there are actually, you know what? There's a whole list of them. There's virtual races across the country in various cities. 
Um, We're not going to talk about all of the ones that we know from individual cities. We'll talk about some of the bigger ones that are taking place across the country that you can participate in, starting with the Dash of Doom. So this is put on by Run Calgary. It is going to be partly in person, but it's a hybrid event, meaning that there's going to be very small in-person waves going off um, of a 5K, or you can do this event virtually. It is highly encouraged that you wear a costume in all these races. Mm -hmm. But the great thing about this event is that it's also highly encouraged that you dress up your dog and do the 5K dash of doom with your dog. That's a lot. A a doggy dash of doom. Because... 5K doggy doom dash. (laughs) 5K doggy doom dash. I love it. Um, And the reason that they encourage you to get your, your pooch involved is that... If you set up a fundraising page, you will be contributing to the Alberta Animal Rescue Society, and they have done great fundraising efforts in the past. You can register and complete this event all the way up until this Friday, October 30th. So I encourage anyone, any dog lovers out there, get your dog into a cute getup and get after it. I would love to see like a a partner costume, like a, a dog, a dog and their owner. Oh, so cute. I'm Come sure in. people do it. This isn't really a dog-human duo, although the human could dress up like this. Have you seen those dog costumes where the costume basically is like a saddle that you put on your dog and there's like a little a little cowboy that sits on top? And so when the dog runs, the cowboy like bounces along. It's adorable. I highly encourage people to Google search this and find it. But you could also dress up as the cowboy or cowgirl to go along with your, your puppy. Oh my gosh. I totally would. Other memorable Halloween things as it relates to runners. Melissa Bishop and Reed Coolset last year dressed both of their babies up as old people. Yes. Oh my gosh. So cute. We, oh, you so, know what? We'll so, link so that so photo. Cute. We'll link that photo in the write-up. That was absolutely adorable. Other virtual events that you can do should you be wanting to get into the spooky spirit of Halloween, the uh, group Run to Beer, which is based here in Toronto, but you can do this anywhere, is holding a virtual fear mile. So they hold this in person every year. It's a beer mile, but in costume, which is so fun. Um, But of course, none of it's going to be happening in person this year, meaning that you can sign up and do a solo beer mile in costume, four beers, four times 400 meters. This year, of course, it doesn't have to be on a track since it's really hard to get onto them. Um, Or you can choose to do a two-person team where you have, it's basically divided up. So you drink a beer, run a lap, and do that twice, and so does your teammate, but they can't happen in the same place. So you can't basically like run alongside your your teammate. Okay. Has to be done separately, but any 400-meter stretch will do as long as you submit race data proving that you covered that distance. And finally, you can sign up for the Monster Dash Canada virtual races. You can choose from the Kids Run, 5K, 10K, Half, and Full Marathon. Please complete and submit your results by November 15. And we'll link the registration options and how to sign up for these events in the write-up to this story on runningmagazine.ca because you wouldn't want to miss out on these. And if you guys do something fun costume-wise, you know, or like you ran your first beer mile or um, you dress your baby up as an 80-year-old, just let us know because we're into all that stuff. Post it on social media and tag us, tag ShakeOut Podcast, or post it in the ShakeOut Podcast Facebook discussion group. We would love to hear and see them. And speaking of it being almost the end of the month, just a reminder to our listeners that you now are within one week. You have six days left to sign up for our contest, enter our contest. All of the details are at runningmagazine.ca. 
But essentially, make sure that you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Shakeout Podcast. Join our Facebook discussion group. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. These are all ways to get various numbers of entries into our contest, which is ending this Saturday, Halloween, October 31st. And after that date, we will draw three lucky winners to win a pair of Asics Dynablast shoes along with a complete winter running outfit. So if that sounds like something you want, you can go right from Halloween costume to November 1st wearing your new Asics outfit. Get ready for your winter running. I was it. The time it worked better, wear your new winter running outfit under your Halloween costume. Also important. For your week in review, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. Happy Halloween, and we'll talk with you again soon.